Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tej Talks. This was filmed during, recorded during lockdown, so please excuse any inaccuracies in the information. Today we are talking about HMOs and rent-to-rent, and actually the difference between doing a rent-to-rent or managing someone else's HMO, and actually how rent-to-rent sounds great, but maybe management is actually what you want to do with less risk and maybe the same amount of income. So some interesting topics here discussed with Sanisha and Sanchia, um, and I know you're going to like this one, especially if you're starting out. We go through a lot of things you can do when you're starting out in property um, and some of the mistakes and the challenges that they've had and how nothing is ever straightforward. Please remember, I'm always open to talking about you investing with me, so please go to tedginvests.com. I also am writing a book. Uh, when this podcast gets released, maybe the book will be released, maybe not. Either way, I have a waiting list, which I'll send the book link out to purchase to people first. I think there's 160 people on it at the moment. Please send me a DM on Instagram or an email, hello at tedginvests, and I will send you the link to join the waiting list. It's going to be the ultimate guide to BRR. I think I will take everything that they teach you in these courses for 1997 and it will be in a book for like 15 quid. So hopefully I can disrupt uh, the industry and give you all value for a low, low price. And maybe I get a Nandes or two out of it. Tanisha and Sanchia, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Hello, thank you for having us. It is absolutely (laughs) my pleasure. So, you know what? Before we get into, you know, the exciting things you're doing now, how you're dealing with lockdown and HMO management and, and property investment in HMOs, which I know a lot of people are interested in, especially when they start out because of, of course, the cash flow, you know, the, the money's good. We can't deny that. Um, let's talk about what you were both doing before property, before you became Miller and Vincent Properties. What were you both doing? Nisha, do you want to go first? Okay, so I was um, working as a project manager um, in the printing industry. Um, And I'll be honest, (laughs) as much as I enjoyed it to an extent, for me, it always always felt like I was um, pretending (laughs) to be like a project manager because it never, I never really felt like I fit in really. Um, I think for a long time, I knew I wanted to have my own business or to be doing something different to something else um and property was always uh, of an interest um I, can't, I guess my background wise um my mother has uh, always been into property she's an estate agent or manager at, at an estate agency and she's done that for like 20 years so I've always you know enjoyed watching all the programs and things like that but um yeah so I was a project manager pretending to be a project manager <laughs> <laughs> It's, all, it's always fun pretending to do something. I appreciate that. She, she didn't pretend to be a superhero. She pretended to be a project manager. Of all things, you want to pretend to be. I mean, you know, some people's imagination is just different, you know? I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, so, yeah, so, so before um, I started acting property, before we joined, formed Miller and Vincent Properties, um, I practiced as a, a, a lawyer. Um, here in the Midlands and you know I I enjoyed what I did Um, but in terms of wanting to do it until retirement it just wasn't me I knew that I had more skills 
I wanted to get out there more, so to speak. And, um, you know, that's why I started the search to want to invest in property. So I always knew I wanted to invest, but I didn't know the different channels or the different routes to invest. So that was that was my life before I um, launched out into the business. Hmm. And how did you both like what was the moment or the book or the, the what was the thing that made you say, yes, I know what I'm doing now in property or or kind of give you that boost to say, you know what, now is the time to get into it and make a change. Was it was it one thing or was it a build up of things or? I think I, I think for me, um, I saw a Facebook ad. So it was one of these training providers that were doing um property training courses and I think that was my main trigger point into actually wanting to invest in my property education and actually take a step to get something done so that was my main point and then I started reading a lot more I think everyone's probably read Rich Dad Poor Dad and I just started immersing myself in 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 property knowledge and networking with people so I say that was my trigger Hmm. and um, you know similar similar for me Um, I came across uh, progressive property mm-hmm. um went to um Masopi and loved it loved everything about it and then a couple of months later they um their sister company um did a women building wealth mm-hmm. event which i went to and it inspired me beyond belief like i'll, I'll be honest hedge i literally when i finished uh, when the whole day, when the uh, two days were over, I literally got in my car and I cried. And I was like, right, I have to change my life. I promise you, I was sitting there in my car on my own crying, thinking, right, something has to change. I know I can do this. Um, and I called my mum and I'm sure that she probably thought I was absolutely crazy at this point. Because, you know, when you're starting a business or when you're thinking of starting a business, everyone kind of looks at you like, yeah, yeah, all right then. <laughs> you go ahead, start your business. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, that was that was the moment for me. I knew I could do it, and it was the, um, the, the I was just inspired. I was motivated, and yeah, that that literally was the moment where I I knew I was going to make it work. Hmm. Mm. And then from there, how did you know, you know, because of course there's 101 strategies that work in 101 different places. How did you know what to, to like do? How did you know how to start? <laughs> well, the thing is, you, you don't really do you initially. You just, um, I knew I had to get educated. Um, and I, after going to, um, you know, Masopi, um, I knew that I had an interest in, HMOs um, and you just start networking and that's how Sanchir and I uh, met initially um, I think it was on a Facebook um, a Facebook group mm. and we, we we met up had a chat and we were we'd both trained individually separately and we started going to various networking groups together and we just thought right okay well you're on a similar path well we're both on similar paths let's join forces and because there were two, there are two of us. Um, we thought instead of going down the single let's route, let's go down the the HMOs route because you know two heads better than one. Um, so that's how we we ended up in getting involved in HMOs. Really, you just figure you 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 find your way, don't you, as you're going along. I think mm. when when people are thinking about starting a business, 
they expect to know the answers, but you don't. You just have to take it, you know, one day at a time, one step at a time, and then it becomes clearer as you move forward. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes it gets to the point where you have to do it. You have to do the strategy, maybe even own a HMO or do a rent to rent and then be like, yeah, yeah I don't want to do this. <laughs> or be like, <laughs> <laughs> I love this and it was great. So, yeah, that, that's a good lesson there for people not to kind of beat themselves up if they don't know yet or if exactly. it, it takes a few weeks to kind of find it. So do you so you want to do HMOs what was your you know for all the beginners out there what was your so you'd networked you'd gone on education what was your next step now you decided HMOs you thought yeah, we're working together how did you then move forward and decide if you're buying if you're doing rent to rent or how you're going to do things initially we had um, started out with wanting to purchase HMOs and then reno renovate residential properties into four five six beds mm -hmm. um, however in, in terms of finding investors, when we first started out three years ago, we found that a little bit difficult. We did have a couple of people who were wanting to invest in property, but finding the deals at the time, I just don't think the figures were working and where we were looking. So we thought, okay, rather than spend, you know, X amount of time trying to find, I think we were focusing on purchasing for a good, probably about a year and a year or so, I think. Mm -hmm. um, correct me if I'm wrong, but we were, you know, adamant we wanted to purchase. But sometimes, you know, as you said, Tej, when you when you start out with a strategy, if it's not working, change it. Um, so that's when we thought, okay, the, the other option in terms of HMOs is to control them. It's, it is to manage rather than purchase. So that's how we went down the management route and then literally started marketing um, like crazy, um, basically telling people what our services are and how it is that we can help them with their HMO management. Hmm. And, you know, you you kind of said before that when you started out a few years ago, you found it difficult to start to attract investors. Why do you think that was? I think, um, <clears throat> yeah, go, go ahead, Sasha. I think um, in, in terms of at the start, I, th I think when you start out in anything, you're not always 100% in terms of who you are and what you can provide. So a lot of it comes down to a lack of confidence and timidity when you're pr um, approaching people, um, you know, to offer them this opportunity to invest in you and to invest in properties. So I think that was probably one of the big things for us. Um, I don't know if you're going to add anything to that, Tanisha. No, no, I completely agree, Tanisha. Yeah. Mm. Okay, and I think that's an important lesson as well is like for people to realize that yes, you can be told by a course, yeah, you're gonna, you know, raise a million on your first week of looking for money after the course, but <laughs> but actually, it's, it's a yeah, little yeah. bit different, and and people view you differently. So you got into so you said management and and owning and con sorry, controlling them. Mm. So <laughs> were you doing rent to rent or was it managing like a letting agent would? So initially, we started out. Um, with the thought of right we're going to go down the rent to rent route so we were sending our letters out and our marketing out you know to the landlords um talking about rent to rent however um after our first deal um it kind of didn't go as planned <laughs> um yeah which i think is quite normal as well uh, we fell into the managed management route management model um and we found that we were actually earning um a similar amount if not well actually a little bit more uh it going down the management model in comparison to the rent to rent route so now we tend to do a mix of both it's whatever suits 
um, the landlord the best. It's whatever the landlord is looking for. And we, we use both strategies to um, provide a, a, a suitable solution for them. Okay. And you mentioned your first deal didn't go very well. Of course. <laughs> Tell me about this. Okay. So um, we sent out some uh, our marketing, some letters um, to landlords and we got our first call. This is literally our first batch of letters. And of course, you know, when you're very new to things, it's exciting. Landlords called you. And he was literally like, right, my property is empty. Here's the code. Please go to my house and have a look at it. <laughs> let, us, let me know what you think. And we're thinking, you've literally, we don't, you've, this is the first time you've spoken to us and you're giving us the code to a property you own. <laughs> so we, Sandra and I, we rushed literally the same day to, to the property and it was a wonderful um, six bedroom large uh, period property. Um, yeah, fantastic. It was, it was vacant. So losing the landlord money. Um, and, but what we did notice is that it needed a bit of a refurb. So anyway, we, you know, after going back and forth a little bit with the landlord, we agreed that we would manage it and go down the rent to rent route. Um, we agreed a guaranteed rent of 950 uh, per month, I believe. And we were going to cover all the utility bills and voids. Um, the landlord agreed to go 50-50 on internal maintenance, which was fantastic. Um, but because the landlord had also agreed to um, give us the option to purchase, so it was a lease option, paired rent to rent slash, well, paired lease option, um, we said that we would invest 7,000 into the property uplift and the landlord would also invest 7,000 um, pounds. Fantastic, we thought. Brilliant. It's going to give us about £580 a month. But of course, when we purchase, we're going to purchase with equity. So that's brilliant. Um, however, you know, everybody always says use solicitors that know about lease options. And we knew that. And we said to the landlord, you know, we can recommend some solicitors that know exactly about lease options. And our, the landlord had used his own solicitor for you know 30 years he was like no no fine my my solicitor knows everything and he knows exactly what you know lease options are and of course I don't think he really did so it fell through <laughs> contacted the mortgage um, provider and it just they said absolutely not you're not going to be doing that um, and then of course the landlord was really really worried and he didn't want to even I think you know because not not everybody necessarily understands that rent to rent is a management model. It's on a management contract. Um, he said, you know, I, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable going down any other route other than it being just, you know, managed traditionally like how it would have been with a high street letting agent. So, yeah, so it was kind of like back to the drawing board. So what, what, in, what actually happened was that we renegotiated with the landlord that he would invest the full um, investment for the uplift of the property. So he invested 15,000, I think it was in the end. Um, we uh, painted throughout, we installed two on suites, knocked through um, a wall on the top floor to make a really a lovely, large, spacious room um, and kind of like a living area as well. Um, and then what was interesting is that we agreed that we would project manage the refurbishment for free for the landlord. And 
in return to recoup those costs, we charged a higher um, management percentage on the back end. Mm. So because of because we kind of worked it, we was quite creative with the deal. Because we'd worked it out like that, it, it actually meant that we were taking slightly more um, per month on that property on the traditional management model rather than a rent to rent. So it all worked out. And, you know, we'd never have had that not had that not had happened. We would never have even considered traditional management. But, you know, as you've said, Tej, sometimes you just have to learn as you go as well. Um, and you learn different things. And that really worked for that landlord. So that's what happened there, as well as, a, you know, a hundred other horror stories. Painters not painting and oh, builders not building. Oh, it's weird, isn't it? So many builders just don't, don't build and so many painters don't paint. It's crazy. It's like, it's, it's uh, the job title. No. What else is yeah, there to no. do? You've just got one job. Just one job. <laughs> Yeah, it's um yeah, even to this day it's still God. I think, you know, it's interesting because you took a, a creative approach whereas some people would have, you know, when the landlord said, I can't do it, I want this, they would have said, Oh no, we do rent to rent, sorry, bye. And then yeah. someone else, like you, would have come in and, and scooped that deal up. So I think having the knowledge and well, I guess just creativity to be like, Well, okay, does it matter if we do rent to rent or we manage? I mean, at the end of the day it's almost the same thing with you know mm-hmm. it's still making money it's still doing what we want to do so sometimes i think it's easy to be clouded in oh no this is our strategy yeah instead of this is the result we want why don't we just do what we need to do to get to the result as long as we want to do it and enjoy it so like good on you for, for turning that around because i know people would have would have walked away um so you know you you did your marketing to, to get that deal so how many like how many months did it take to go from you both saying right we're starting this marketing we're we're doing rent to rent we're doing management we're doing our thing to you actually securing a deal when i say securing i mean getting the keys i want people to know the realistic timelines for the first gosh for that first deal i'm going to say because it was the first batch of letters um, so let's say we, the, the landlords received the letters on the Monday. We would have received his call within days of receiving the letters. So let's say by Wednesday, and we would we had the code on that day. So it was, it was literally a couple of days because he gave us the code. Um, so that I would say was an absolute blessing for our first deal. Um, but in reality, these some deals take a long time. You know, you can send out your marketing. Um, a year ago and only now securing properties so just to give you an example two properties which we've secured under our management in june those those were leads that we had um sent out a year ago we had had coffee with the landlords a year ago and only now june 2020 have we secured the properties so you know it can be as quick as our first deal um but in reality it can take a while to continue to keep marketing um, to these landlords and having those touch points um so you know they're familiar with what you do so when they're ready they will contact you yeah i think that's, that's a good insight there because it's easy again when you're starting out to get kind of to get upset and say oh well, i've sent out you know a thousand letters and i've got two calls and you know they didn't even yeah. work and but you know it took a year there and, and meeting mm. the person to then get something sort of over the line and that's that's just the nature of of, of what it is right um so you know when you were starting out 
like with that first deal, once you'd got the keys and you'd sort of done the refurbishment and, you know, I'm guessing the answer is no, but was it straightforward to then get it refurbished and get it let out? Take me through that journey. I would say yes. Yeah, I would say, um, was it straightforward? In theory, yes. Everything's straightforward in theory. (laughs) Um, So in terms of arranging for the trades to come in and get the refurbishment done, that was relatively simple. But it's the practicalities of actually project managing these things. You know, as, as we said, we've had painters that took three weeks to paint three rooms, you know, and, you know, would, I mean, essentially lie, you know, lie that they've done certain things, but not realising that I'm actually standing in the property when I'm talking to them and they're telling me, oh, I've done X, Y and Z. And of course they haven't because I'm standing in the property. But, um, you know, we've had builders that have walked out midway through um refurbishments and we've had in you know interior designers that hasn't really worked out so there are all these um hurdles all these obstacles as you go through um but in terms of actually getting the project completed and done um it's all it's all it's all worth it you just have to take everything in your stride and um you know as soon as that as soon as it's completed you can then start your marketing for your tenants and you know getting the property filled asap and that's where tanisha comes in with her genius um Mm. marketing for filling these hmos with professionals tell me more tell me more about the genius yeah (laughs) about the genius i want to know you sanchia can't say something like that i need to know now no idea no idea why she said that um no do you know what i don't do anything um well, I don't think I do anything out of the ordinary, apart from building rapport with with the tenants when you're all, when you're showing them around. Um, we we're quite particular in the sense that we only manage you know a handful of properties. We know all the tenants. We know what they do work work wise, and we have a good feel for the type of household, whether it be you know the type of household where everybody. Um, of an evening sits together and has their has their dinner together or whether it's a household whereby everybody tends to do their own thing so we have a good idea of all the properties that we manage and what they're like so when you're showing tenants around you can tell them you know what the household is like and what the other tenants like to do in terms of you know um what they like to do together if they go out to the pub or if they um yeah, just generally about the household. And I think that's where it becomes more difficult when you have hundreds of properties on your books. I think it's more difficult to be completely in touch with the the tenants that live there. And that's what I found works really well is, is knowing your tenants and being able to communicate what, what the house is like and what the tenants are like. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people when starting out, you know, they're in a rush, they want to quit their job, they've got this deal and it might work and they're not selective enough about the deal and they're not mm-hmm. selective enough about tenants and then six months later you got problems. So it's kind of like, you know, in business they say you need to learn to say no to clients or to certain business. Oh, yeah. It's the yeah. same thing, isn't it? But before I ask you about how you how you select your HMOs, when you were doing this first deal and I guess maybe the couple afterwards, were you both still nine to five full time in your jobs? Yes, we were. Yeah. How do you balance that? How do you recommend <laughs> that people balance it? Or maybe not balance it? Um, Edge, it's... Yeah. I'll just, I'll just be honest, right? So 
when we initially started um, our business, we were going to our, you know, our jobs um, from, you know, 8.30 till 5.30. And then we were meeting each other at um, 6.30 at Frankie and Benny's. And we would stay there till gone midnight till literally they chucked us out. <laughs> and we would work. And like, I, I know a lot of people say that you can do this as, you know, part-time hours yeah for us we just grafted (laughs) absolutely grafted (laughs) and um you know I don't know I don't know how to give any uh, you know any better advice other than stick at it and work Mm. hard because that's what we've had to do but that's our experience maybe other people have had different experiences (laughs) I think yeah people ask me as well that same question and it's basically what you said. It's just working hard, being persistent, being resilient, mm. and just, you know, especially if you're working full time, there's nothing else mm-hmm. but putting the hours. Like, if you didn't put in the hours, yeah. you wouldn't have the deals. And it's as point blank, simple, no silver bullet as that. Mm. Um, so, when, you know, you mentioned before you're selective with the HMOs that you take on. For you, and I guess this would also help people understand maybe what they should take on within their own sort of, you know, um, goals and limits. How do you choose what to manage and what to take on? Do you want to answer that one, Sanchia? Yeah, so in terms of um, some properties that we have, I mean, the ones that we gravitate towards, I would say, are, you know, the larger HMOs around, uh, you know, six up to six tenants um, per property. We like to ensure that, you know, there are en-suites and if there's not, if there's no en-suites, then at least a minimum of two um, tenants per bathroom, um, knowing that we only want to operate HMOs in Derby, Long Eaton, Nottingham, so very close proximity to where we are within 20, 30 minute drive. Um, so they are the sort of properties that we go for. We, we've had opportunities to take on, I think it was up to nine, 10 bed HMOs. We did manage a nine bed HMO previously, um, but we let go of that one. But in terms of the sizes, we know what tenants are after. And there's not a lot of professional tenants who want to share um, a, a shared house with, you know, nine, 10 other tenants. So it's, it's understanding the market and knowing, okay, this is the sort of property that we want to take on and that's generally around five six bed um hmo okay another thing that's i think really important for us is having a good relationship and good rapport with the landlord Mm. because if the property needs some work we need to feel in a position whereby we can be honest and say you know this is what we think the property needs Mm. we can help you implement that but you know that dialogue really needs to be open and just just have to have a good relationship mm. because you know at the end of the day we want the best for our landlords we want the best for our tenants and with us having that type of approach is going to give you know the best experience for the tenants and the landlords themselves as well mm. so just yeah go- i think that's important yeah going back to what um you mentioned Ted, about the ability to say no like you, you really have to say no to certain things. Not every deal is a deal. Not every property that's offered to you is an opportunity. So as Tanisha just, just alluded to, we have turned down opportunities because we don't think, think that working with the landlord is necessarily a right fit for our um, business. So 
for those starting out, do not be afraid to say no, um, because it can work out pretty, pretty good. Although you may feel like you're not progressing in the long run, it will work um, wonders, I'd say. Hmm. Okay. And how has your business evolved from, I think you said it was three years ago when you had this first deal, like talk me through maybe the first sort of year or two after that like how did it change what did you do how did it grow um we have done honestly Ted one of the one of our mistakes I guess when we started out is that we had the shiny penny syndrome so we've done so many different things um as Sanjia mentioned we initially started out wanting to purchase and we um, did that well we were trying to do that for about a year with not a lot of joy um, and then we moved down the the rent to rent management route, and we started, um, you know, trying to bring on properties to manage. And at the same time, we were we had a tenant find business, and we were helping various landlords as well as agents uh, in the area to fill their to fill their rooms. Um, I think Derby over the last two years has seen quite a, a drastic change in that a lot of investors have. Um, purchased in Derby, changed, you know, a residential property into HMO. And um, now there's the the tenant demand is not as good as it used to be because there's just a lot greater supply of properties and a lot greater supply of fantastic high-end properties. So because of that, a lot of landlords and agents have been struggling to um, fill their rooms sometimes. So that's why we came in with the tenant fine business. Um, but what we found there, <laughs> so it all sounds great when you when you're just saying yes to you know a lot of things. But we found that we were just running around all day long, filling everybody else's rooms, and we were like thinking, right, well, we actually want our own portfolio here to be looking after and filling our own rooms. So we we stopped um, providing that service, and then oh gosh, we took on a SA as well at some point <laughs> in that time. Um, Which was then, good. It was profitable. Yeah. It was a very good deal. And mm. we did manage oh, it yeah. for about eight months. Okay. But then we realised, you know, that's not necessarily the route that we, it's not what we wanted to be focusing on. We, you know, HMOs is our thing. HMOs is what we're good at. Um, HMO management is, you know, up our alley. So we sourced that property on, um, the SA on. And then now we're at the stage where we're we're starting to scale and focus purely on, you know, bringing on more HMOs into our management, whether that's down the rent to rent route or the traditional management route. And that's where we're at now. <laughs> so we've done um, a handful of different things, um, which you learn, you learn from everything. But for somebody that is wanting to probably grow quicker, it's, you know, it's that focus follow one course until successful isn't it that's what that's what they say so that that's that's been our journey ted bit yeah. all over the place i mean i think <laughs> it, it sounds more interesting than than focusing but of course as we know focusing <laughs> is is the, is the quicker way to do it but at the same time you know you've learned things you wouldn't have learned you've had experiences mm. you wouldn't have had so it's I think looking back at it, you know hope maybe you see it differently but i see it as like a, a learning and as a positive thing oh, that, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. You know, we tried Most this definitely. and yeah, it, it was cool. And, and yeah, so we are recording this on the 22nd of June, 2020. What does your portfolio or your business look like now? 
Alicia? So, okay. So at the moment we're managing 25 rooms. Um, I've just uh, seen an email pop in from a landlord that we're hoping to bring on um, some of her properties as well. So that's exciting. Mm. Um, so yeah, we're managing 25 rooms. So we've got 25 tenants and we're just hoping to scale. That's what we're looking to do now, scale. As I said, we've spent a lot of time um, learning um, and also gaining that experience. Um, and we have that now. We have that experience. Of course, the learning never stops, but we feel very comfortable with what we're doing. We know that we're, we're good in terms of HMO management. Um, and, and we're just focusing on building, building that management portfolio. That's what we love. We love doing it. Hmm. And, you know, when it comes to kind of scaling it, what, mm-hmm. what do you think you're going to do differently? So now that you have the experience, now that you've had that knowledge, have you kind of got a process or formula that you're going to follow now to then be able to, you know, multiply what you've done already? Yeah, I'd say, yeah, I'll just add something here. So yeah, I'd say um, in terms of scaling, we're only wanting to scale up to around 20 properties, which is around 100 tenants. You know, we're not trying to compete with the high street letting agent at all. What we provide is a much more bespoke HMA management service. So for us, in terms of growing that portfolio, I think it's just replicating what we have already. So with the first property, the first deal that we mentioned um, earlier, we've now secured the property next door to it. So we're literally going to make um, you know, an, an identical property with an identical um, figures, with an identical return. So I think we're just going to run with what we know um, and, and, and grow that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, on, I just thought of, you know, the difference between rent to rent and management, how, how is that difference felt in the income? Can you give me an example of maybe one rent to rent and one management so people know what it, you know, in their back pocket, what the difference is? Um, right. So in, in terms of rent to rent, um, we, we like to make a, a minimum of £500 per month. Um, of course, we're based in Derby, so room rates are between, say, three two five and five fifty, depending on whether it's you know single, double, double on suite, and in terms of the standard as well. So that's what you would make here in Derby. Um, well, that's what we like to make as a minimum. However, of course, if you're in London, it would probably be double that because the room rates are a lot lot higher. Um, Traditional management, as we mentioned, because we offer such bespoke um, services, i.e. we may refurb a property for the landlord and we might may do that, you know, the project management will offer that free of charge. In return for on the back end, we'll charge a higher management fee. So whereas the high street letting agent may be... Um, only making you know a few hundred pounds per property we we found a way to maximize that by offering different services or additional services to the landlord which they main well which they wouldn't get with the high street letting agent which allows us to make around the same amount as a rent to rent or sometimes more mm. yeah wow. and i guess that's without the rent to rent risk <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it, it, it's the same money but without the risk which is i mean mm-hmm. that's pretty ideal okay yeah cool <laughs> so 
when it comes to you doing rent to rents and you know you've had to fund some refurbs i know the first one was funded by the landlord but otherwise and i guess also generally as advice for for people who are starting out you know do you like getting ready-made hmos or or do you get sort of normal houses and then put in a couple of grand and make them into hmos what's your what have you done and what's your preferred the preference is um to well we market mainly to landlords which who already own hmos um so that's licensed hmos so in terms of doing the full renovation we've not done that as of yet but we have done light refurbishment throughout the property we've put in on suites and not through walls for example so we're that's probably where we prefer to be um in terms of building our portfolio but if there's a good opportunity that comes up that requires a backed brick refurbishment then yeah if, if the deal's right then we would say yes to that okay and i think sorry Ted. and i think the just to um add to that um we always on the first in the first instance we always ask the landlord how much they're willing to invest themselves because it's mm. their property so a lot of the time we'll go around the property and the landlord will, will start telling us what they have planned already mm. or what they've previously thought about so um, i know just thinking of one example where we went to a property with the landlord and and she was saying oh you know we'd already thought about putting an ensuite in here and um and also you know giving the property a lick of paint and you think right okay so if you've already got that in mind how much did you budget to to spend on your property and then we'll look to see what we think you know as an additional um what else the property might require and then we'll work out how much we've got to spend as well mm. but we always want to make our, our money back within the first six months um so yeah landlord is the first point of call <laughs> because if they can pay great yeah. um otherwise we will and then we'll we'll well, what we've done in the past is we've had loans from uh, family and friends. Okay. And a lot of what you're saying to get landlords is direct-to-vendor kind of marketing. Yeah. Do you also you know, work with lettings agents and say, you know, we do corporate lets, we do relocation, we want to work with you, or do you do pure direct-to-vendor? We should, Tej, probably. Um, mm. We did initially. We, we did start building relationships with agents but we found that since we now also do traditional management we would be probably seen as even more um even more would be seen as you know com com competition competitors mm. because we're an agent um as well and it's clear that we're we're an agent so we tend to prefer the director um director landlord uh, strategies in terms of contacting landlords and we like that because you get to build rapport you get to find out you know what what their ideal scenario is and we like that element of business in terms of having that direct contact with the with the landlord okay. so so we don't at the moment we don't work with agents um it, it's all direct to landlord as I mean, it stands yeah it makes sense i mean a lot of agents <laughs> are kind of anti rent friend anyway and then if they find out you're doing the job as them but maybe better yeah they're gonna they're gonna have a picture of you up on a dartboard so yeah i, I, I feel that and, and are you both still working full-time in your jobs no no oh. no no as of as of late we are full-time which is absolutely fantastic um it's you know it's been three years 
three years in the making. Mm. So um, we're lucky now. <laughs> we're really lucky to be doing what we love every single day. And yeah, I can't think of anything better. No more I, I wouldn't want to be doing. Frankie and Benny's till midnight. Maybe it's Nando's at lunch oh, no. instead. Maybe like switch it that's, up. That's when we're yeah. rich. When we're rich, we'll not go to Nando's. <laughs> I don't know if my card works there. <laughs> how did you how did you know when you could quit your job? Because everyone wants to do it tomorrow and it's like, oh no, hold on, there has to be some like sensibility there. How mm. did you know? Well, that's yeah, that's a very good question. And uh a year ago, or maybe it was eighteen months ago, I did. Um I I went full time in the business um and I was taking, you know, the, the income that the business was producing as my wage um which was great and it allowed us to you know bring on a few more properties than ha probably quicker than we would have done had we both been working full-time but what we learned that it probably wasn't the best time to go full-time because you need to have you need to be able to continue to invest back into the business so i would say of course, everybody is different, but you you need to be able to sustain both of your incomes in terms of what you need. And this isn't, you know, as Sanchez said, we're not rich. <laughs> we're just providing ourselves with, you know, a basic mm. wage. But also we, we can still continue to do the marketing. So you need to know how much you're spending in your business, um, what your business expenses are month to month, including your, your marketing to continue growing the business as mm. well as your your basic wage mm. so it's all you know the, the figures speak don't they themselves yeah and are you that's in what it was the, first are you in the sort of like the, the i guess they call it the honeymoon phase of being self-employed where it's all great or are you getting annoyed at working <laughs> from home now and like what stage of being self-employed working from home are you i think in terms of the I, th I think when everyone thinks about working from home, they don't think I'm going to work from home in the middle of in the middle of lockdown. Um, so the the obviously the dynamics are a lot more different. You can't go to your coffee shops. You can't go out as freely as possible. So we're literally working from home. So um, I, I guess to be honest, a lot of people have said, you know, they've asked me how are you finding it. Are you getting are you getting bored? And to be honest, I'm not. I'm not getting bored. I'm not. Um, you know, twiddling my thumbs, trying to figure out what to do because we're growing a business and it does take a lot of time, a lot of effort to grow a business. So we've not, well, speaking for myself, I've not had days where I'm thinking, oh gosh, what can I do today? Because I actually enjoy my business. I enjoy growing it. I enjoy putting time into it. So working from home, I think I'm over the honeymoon period and um, I'm just excited to be able to, you know, in engage with the world again. <laughs> I think I um my normal self-employed life is basically lockdown, self-imposed anyway. So I'm <laughs> I'm pretty much used <laughs> no to difference. this. Yeah, basically the gym being closed is my biggest um it's my biggest thing. But yeah, okay. Mm. And what is the best advice you've been given in life, in property, whatever? Best advice. That's a, that's a good one, isn't it? Really, advice. I would you know think. What? Go ahead. You Susan. go ahead, Sanchez. <laughs> That's how you know we spend all this time together. We say the same things. You go first, Sanchez. Um, I th I think what I find myself telling people now who are new to property is to turn their thoughts into action, because a lot of times you can spend days, weeks, months 
thinking about something whereby your mind is so overworked that you actually feel like you've taken action when you've actually done nothing at all. So I think taking action, whatever that is, whether it's sending out an email, sending a letter, making a phone call, do something because if you're not, if you're just thinking it and you've not materialized it into actually doing something, you're actually going nowhere and possibly going backwards. So turn your thoughts into action. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. And I guess that kind of runs alongside not being too harsh on yourself and not saying, mm. oh, I have to actually get a property before I feel like I've done something because there's a 101 steps before oh, you yeah. even get yeah. the keys and yeah. you know, they're all still yeah. valid. So, yeah, that's great. What's been your like your biggest challenge or the thing that's maybe set you back the most or got you feeling the lowest in your property journey? Um, no, nothing, no one scenario actually stands out to me. Does it for you, Sanjia? Uh, it of... doesn't. I think it's just an amalgamation of disasters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I have to agree with you there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's any one situation. I think what can become, what can make you feel low at times, you know, we've been, we've been literally grafting for for three years um and even when you know you're a year in you're thinking gosh i'm putting in all of mm. these hours when is it going to pay dividends when am i going to be able to just relax for a minute mm. you know <laughs> when am i going to start earning some money yeah <laughs> and you you think that throughout the whole time you know year in two years in and even you know everyone wants to be further mm. along the journey than than they are everyone and that's very very normal but you know when you're working that hard it's very very normal to to get low at stages because you want to be you know earning more money have more properties have more investors you always want more because you know that that's the type of people we are you know we're, we're very you know as with as people self-employed or people with your own business you're very motivated people we all want to be achieving mm. so just the journey itself can be tiring can be just you feel every single emotion under the sun sometimes you know in the same day as i think you've yeah. said before ted <laughs> yeah i think i think i've aged 20 years in the past <laughs> two years so <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I totally get what you're saying, and it doesn't necessarily get easier either. No, Ted, I, I'll be honest. My dad saw me recently, and he social distancing, of course. Of course. But anyway, so he he literally said to me, "Where's where has why have you got so many grey hairs all of a sudden?" <laughs> I was like, "Dad, I don't know." He was like, "It's because you're working so hard. It's stress. You need to chill out." such a parental thing to say yeah i get the same thing why haven't you left the house why are you always behind your computer yeah what's wrong with you why are your elbows dry i get all this i am sorry for 10 minutes of the day i had to work like so it's but you know what sometimes it takes that yeah to then be like yeah, oh yeah. what oh that's like oh well that's true i need like you know yeah, yeah. you don't see it. we're just like we're workhorses we'll keep working keep working keep working and then we'll look up and be like <laughs> oh it's 3 a.m what's what have we done yeah. like so yeah it's it's a curse and i think it's a yeah. blessing mm. 
for yeah. anyone who is you know wanting to to do rent to rent or do management like you what are the top three tips you would give to them when they're starting out um i'd say number one you have to get educated you have to there's so there's so much that you need to know in terms of hmo um management that you you need to learn <clears throat> it's not something that you want to just learn on the go either um of course there's you the learning never stops but you do need to get educated initially um then i'd say having the right people around you mm. because you know we took a long time to have to to really network and i remember sanjir and i in the beginning the first couple of years we'd just be like we just want some friends that can help us along the way instead of having to you know pay for everything and pay for this advice and pay for that advice um but now you know we're, we're very lucky that we do have a, a fantastic group of um in, you know it, property investors on, mm. in all different strategies that we can when we have got have got a question we can just drop a message in a whatsapp group for example and ask so it's it's really important to have a good strong network mm. around you um and finally as sanchia touched upon um focus on the income generating activities it's so easy that you can either sit there thinking about business all day thinking that you've actually achieved something when you haven't actually done anything mm. or you can spend all your time doing you know making your website even prettier or making your business cards, doing a third version of your business cards mm. or a different version of your logo. And really, that doesn't make you money. It's the income generating activities, i.e. your marketing um, and your networking with landlords. Mm. Um, so focus on those things. We didn't do it enough initially. And it's it's made, you know, it's it's what it's meant is that it's taken longer for us to bring on properties. Because mm. had we just focused on that, those couple of activities, i.e. sending out regular marketing to landlords and going to regular meetings and just focusing on building relationship with landlords, we'd have a large portfolio now. Yeah. So do that initially. Don't great. forget to do that initially. <laughs> That's no, what great, I'd say. Great tips. And, and, you know, I think at the same time, people can still see that you've quit your jobs, you're scaling up. Mm. And yes, you've you know sort of had the shiny penny, but I think it's good that people hear this because they know mm. that it's normal and it's totally realistic yes. to kind of experience this. Now, on HMO management, so you know most people get into property for it to be passive or you know passive mm -hmm. in uh, speech marks because even buy to lets, yeah, I mean they're pretty much they're very very passive from my experience, but there's still a little bit of work to do. From your experience of actually managing HMOs, managing, you know, six humans sharing a fridge, stealing each other's cheese and like coming in drunk and all this kind of stuff. How passive has it been and or how difficult has it been to deal with these people? We um, with our HMOs, we tenant professionals, so we do get a good caliber of, of tenants. And as Tanisha mentioned, when we're doing the viewings, we do have a good idea, a good indication of the type of person that they are. So in terms of the actual tenants, I'd say they're all pretty good, but we have had the emails of, you know, someone's eating my crisps, someone's left some food <laughs> on the side. So you always get those tenants, but I think it's just the way that you approach them. It's the way that you 
deal with those situations. You encourage them to um, deal with any disputes internally between themselves because at the end of the day, they're six growing adults, you know, sort it out. Um, but in terms of the actual day-to-day -day management, to be honest, we don't necessarily hear from tenants. If a door handle falls off, we'll hear from them, you know, just the odd things. But it's about having your team around you of trades, handymen, electricians. So if something does go wrong, I mean, even today, um, you know, I'm, I'm contacting handymen to sort things out. So if you've got those on call and you're able to just pick up the phone, arrange them to go around the property and the job's done. So there's not, it's not as time consuming or as much of a headache as a lot of people make out that HMO management is, but it's all about systemizing and, and mm. making sure you've got that in place. Hmm. Systems. So if, so when people are going to starting out in this, is there a, is there a software? Is there a process? Is there something that you could summarize, maybe a top level that people absolutely should do to keep systems in check and make sure that actually their life's a little bit easier? Yeah, we use um, Google Drive for majority of our documents in terms of filing. So we know where to go to on Google Drive to find any sort of documents. So if we're onboarding properties or if we're carrying out routine inspection of properties, we know what um, where to go to on the drive. So Google Drive is our literally, you know, the one stop dot place to go. We've actually got a document called One Stop Doc, which has everything <laughs> on it. Um, <laughs> But in terms of an app that we use, it's called Inventory Hive, and we use that to, to carry out our inventories, which is fantastic when you're checking tenants in, you're checking tenants out, and also for the quarterly inspections as well. So I think that's definitely a, a, definitely a go-to for us, in, Inventory mm -hmm. Hive. Um, and I think, you know, it, it, it creates all of your reports as well. It's, it's easy to use, user-friendly. So um, definitely one that I'd recommend. Okay, awesome. And what are your goals for the future? Apart from scaling, what are your goals in business, personal, property, whatever? Um, Nick, do, were you about to say something, Sanchia? No, I was just going to say, in terms of um, just a very high level, break it down. So Miller and Vincent is sort of the umbrella term. And underneath that, we have the, there's four elements. There's the HMO management element. And we've also got public speaking that we're wanting to um, get involved in. We've done um, public speaking training as of late, which has been postponed now because of um, the whole lockdown situation. But we're then wanting to speak. And, and, and I think the vision is going abroad, going to America, just taking it wherever we can, like sharing our property experience and sharing what it is that we're doing to inspire um, others. And the third element is consulting, so helping people getting started in property. And lastly, it's the charitable element of our business. So raising funds to build globally. So we were due to go out to Cambodia um, back end of January this year, um, but that was postponed literally the day before we were due to fly out. It was cancelled due to COVID. But um, it, just having a global vision rather than just helping landlords on our doorstep, we wanted to help, um, you know, families who don't have a house um, abroad, wherever, wherever that is. Um, so that that's sort of our business vision in a nutshell. Mm. I like that. I like, I like the the latter part as well. I don't think it's something not a lot of guests have, have mentioned, but I think it's obviously a, a good cause. And hopefully once COVID is, you know, 
whatever we're doing with it, you'll be able to to go and uh, and get that done. So, mm. uh, and just lastly, mentioning you know speaking, uh, I saw from your Instagram that you were on a panel, and also I think you've been on radio. How has you know that and social media uh, impacted your business? Has it helped, or has it kind of just been a fun thing to do on the side? I'd say it really has helped. I mean, the way that we're moving now in 2020, social media is the place to be. So we've we've had the opportunity to speak at, I think it was Barclays Bank at Canaries Wharf at an event and just sharing our property journey. And from there, you do obviously get recognition and people get to know who you are and the services that you provide. So we have had business on the back of those events and also you know, speaking with Derby Radio as well, we've had business opportunities that have stemmed from that. So whilst we enjoy doing it, it also obviously is great for marketing. It's it's great for scaling whatever aspect of the business that we're working on. Um, so I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Back to you, Tanisha. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I love radio. Um, yeah, it's something that I've always enjoyed doing in terms of radio. It's just fun like this. It's, it's, it's fun, isn't it? Um, so, no, yeah, as well as it being, as Sanchez has said, good for, the, good for our business, it's, it's also just fun. Mm. And it's, it's a, you need to do the things that you enjoy because mm. as we've already spoken about, you know, it can get difficult at times. It can get very testing, very trying. So mm. it's important to mix in those elements of of business that you also find enjoyable and fun and that you don't have to think you know about too much in depth and mm. yeah keep it light-hearted at times i agree amazing well look um <laughs> if people want to get a hold of you after this podcast what is the best way to contact you our email is info at millerandvincent.com, so they can contact us on there. We're also on Facebook, so we both have our personal pages. So mine is Sanchia Miller, and Tanisha is Tanisha Rose Vincent, so they can get a hold of us on Facebook. We also have an Instagram page, which we don't use that much, but we're under Miller and Vincent on Instagram. And I think, I think that's the main, the main ways that they can get hold of us fantastic i will put these in the show notes too so people can go direct to your profiles but sanchi and tanisha thank you so much for coming on the Tej talks podcast thank you, thank you for having us yes, thank you. you like this podcast connect with Tej on facebook linkedin and youtube for more great content